Hi, and welcome Hi. to uh, Good Morning, Good Afternoon, Good Evening. Welcome to the first ever Corporate Jet Investor Town Hall. Um, we're trying to go live across the world with as many people from the business aviation community. This is the pilot issue. Actually, it's, it's not the pilot issue in, in a while. We will do one just about pilots. Um, but this is the first time we've tried this, so please bear with us. Um, if you'd like to speak, many of you are already using the chat session. Um, if you want to ask a question, it's great. Five people have already done this. The best way to ask a question is in the ask a question section. Um, and there's also a poll. Um, I think a lot of people would like to know the two people who are really optimistic at the moment. So let's get started. There's two rules. We want to involve as many people as possible. And secondly, we will not last beyond an hour. And I'm delighted to have our first speaker, uh, David Dixon, speaking to us under house arrest from Hong Kong. He's not the first member of the Asian business aviation community to be tagged and kept in a business, uh, kept in their house. So uh, David Dixon, president of Jetcraft Asia, um, can you describe your current situation to us? Uh, basically confined to barracks. I got a tag here, which has a, uh, a Q code, which is linked to a phone with an app, which links me to the government. And if I move outside the four walls of my apartment, they come looking for me. So it's, it's a sign of uh, what future control could be like if you do bad things. I know of some people and we who did go outside and they were picked up very quickly. So be warned. <laughs> And we should make it clear, this is only because you were in Australia a week ago. It's because I came back two, three days after the uh, restrictions were imposed. If I'd got in 20, 48 hours earlier, I would be a free man. <laughs> okay, so David, you've, um, you know, you're at home. You've got a lot of time on your hands. What are your customers saying? I think everyone's in pause mode. Uh, people don't know where we're going. They're as, as concerned or as worried about their children or what the, their family as you or I or anyone else here would be um, distracted by the sheer gravity and the extent of what's going on. Do you, um, when you say pause, do you, do you actually think the market's paused or are deals dead? I don't want to use the word dead because no, it isn't. But it's in a, it's, for example, even if, if in my business, trading of an airplane, we may not be able to go and see it. We may not be able to move it because of getting a crew there. The crew become uh, constrained by uh, the needs for quarantine. So there's all sorts of issues. You can't get to a simulator because the simulator's courses are closed down and things like this. There's all sorts of dynamics which are slowing a lot up. We did actually close a deal today, uh, but obviously that was on its way before the, the real heavy hiatus. But it does suggest that uh, it's going to be more and more difficult. The longer this goes on, we're all going to find it more difficult. So Hong Kong's been um, locked down pretty much since early January. Um, how are the people taking that? You know, many of us are in, I think, week two now of the lockdown in, in parts of Europe, longer if you're in Italy, obviously. Uh, you know, what, what's the mood amongst your, your fellow uh, expatriates and the, and the locals? Well, it, I have to say there's quite a difference between lockdown Hong Kong and lockdown and what we're seeing in parts of Europe, where the 
pictures, for example, in London, Trafalgar Square, nobody there other than the reporters, um, pictures of Italy, Rome, nobody on the streets. If I look outside the door here, well, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to, outside the window, um, there's traffic, there's people going about their business. But the big, big difference is everyone seems to wear a mask here. You are a very small minority. The mask is the sinister side, the visual side that makes you realize there's something odd. There's, this is things are not real or not, sorry, not right. They're very real. Sorry, they're not normal. That's what I really meant. Um, but the general mood is one of concern. People are being laid off. People are being told that you can't gather in more than two, a group of two. Um, you can't. Some there was an attempt even to close bars by saying no no alcohol. So some of the you know, they've done that in Thailand now. Um, so the, the whole area is is struggling. Uh, very quiet restaurants, bars, hotels, everything. It's uh, Hong Kong had its problems last year uh, based on the on the street issues and the protests. But this on top of it is a certainly a very heavy double blow. We um we've got a question on the for the audience. Um, you were a um, you were a, at an OEM for a long time. Are there any words from OEMs regarding cancellations or deferrals? This is a question from Bob Suskin in New York. Uh, too early for that, um, but I mean, there, for example, I know Bombardier have already announced a cessation of production for a while. No, or sorry, cessation is the wrong word. Um, a, a stopping the production for a period of time uh, that will delay deliveries, that'll push things back, that has an influence on cash flow. I'm sure that's going to be increasing the same for the other OEMs. I can't believe that Dassault are not suffering in some way. They're right in the thick of it there in Europe. Um, I don't know so much about Savannah, but during the SARS epidemic, which was predominantly an Asian problem, um, there weren't cancellations at that time. But there were cancellations in 2008, and there were cancellations in 1997. 97 was currency, and that hit some places badly. For example, in Australia, um, you've got a roughly 20% depreciation of the Aussie dollar versus the US dollar at this point. Indonesia suffered a big depreciation. So there might be areas where you somebody decides he doesn't want to pay 20% more for an aeroplane. So that's still to come. The economic fallout of this whole sad affair is, has yet to really be felt. Um, my guess is there will be cancellations because people are financially wounded. Can they morally say they can go and spend the money on an airplane when they're making people redundant or making them take half salaries, things like that? So there's a whole number of factors that could change the dynamic for the OEM. You were in the region um, selling aircraft during SARS. Does this feel more? Does this feel like SARS to you, or does it feel more like the global financial crisis in in terms of business? It feels like the three: the currency crisis. It feels like two thousand and two, which was SARS, and 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 two thousand and eight, which was financial. Um, it's three heavy body blows. I would imagine it's sort of being a bit like Mike Tyson in the ring and getting three head blows to the head from him. It's gonna hurt, um, no question. And the depth, that's the problem. What, we, what I think is we don't know what we don't know on this situation. There's no Harvard, excuse me, I'm all right, I haven't got a cough. And there's no Harvard Business School that's taught anybody for this. I think it doesn't matter which leader you listen to or trust or whatever, there is no 
basis for anyone to be able to say they truly know where this is taking us. Okay, brilliant. Thanks so much, David. Um, we're going to let you go back to uh, isolation, um, although you're obviously very welcome to keep watching. Uh, I will continue, sir. <laughs> um, issues we've been talking to about a lot is flight operation. Like Charafedin, Vice President of US Support. Um, Abdul, are you there? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. We can't see you. You've chosen to, to hide. Um, I'm guessing you're in your pajamas. <laughs> you get your guess is right. <laughs> in trip planning, um, it must have been a nightmare for you the last few weeks. I couldn't agree more. Uh, actually, it's been uh, a lot of challenges for uh, a lot of countries, and uh, we've been uh, struggling with almost uh, all uh, uh, airports and civil aviation. Uh, mostly, the, the airports are closed, uh, locked down for most part. Uh, the only flights right now, they can operate uh, through diplomatic channels. Uh, so anyone has uh, uh, is operating through the government, uh, they got a green light. Otherwise, uh, there's uh, a lot of challenges. Uh, there's no technical landing. Uh, there's no entry. A lot of crew are suffering because uh, they need a night stop. And sometimes this is not feasible in the, the, the destination or where they are intended to operate. Yes, I mean, overall, there's a lot of challenges, but a lot of uh, operators uh, and everybody understand the situation, you know, and I hope things were better. And I think uh, what we have led to this, I mean, in, in general, no one really prepared or no one has estimated the magnitude of this crisis. And now they're trying the last minute uh, to make things uh, uh, the right, which is uh, it's it's working somehow, but the the process is very slow. Uh, also, there's a lot of uncertainty about information. Uh, we didn't see that the coordination between all the stakeholders, whether the government or the airport or the ground handler or civil aviation. So there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of misinformation how to act about it. Uh, for the past few days, things start getting much better. There's a lot of information and there's some coordination. And I think we're going to start seeing a better uh, um, communication and better coordination from all, uh, from all over the stakeholders. Can you give us any good news? Are there any markets opening up? I'm sorry, can you say that again? Uh, we're hearing news about China opening up. Uh, That's correct. Yes, um, uh, Asia and in particular China, it's uh, opening up. Uh, I guess uh, that's due to the uh, situation that China has recovered much faster than anyone else, and uh, and all the world now they relies heavily on China, especially for uh, the medical aids, uh, uh, goods, and things like that. So um, the whole world, they are counting on China to support them. And China has not uh, closed its doors uh, since uh, the recovery and welcoming a lot of flights. And so this is something it has been going on, um, I would say, since for the past two weeks or so.
Brilliant. Thanks very much, Abdul. Um, we really appreciate it and keep safe in Dubai. Um, now I'm delighted to, let's try and go to Europe now. Um, I'm going to invite Robert Baltus on screen. Uh, Robert's the Chief Operating Officer of the European Business Aviation Association, EBAA. Um, seeing if he's joining us. Um, doesn't seem to be working at the moment, uh, Robert, if you can uh, try and click on. Um, just going through some of the poll questions. Yes, I am wearing trousers. Uh, <laughs> ah, delighted. Now, here we have Robert over to, oh, sorry, Robert, I lost you. I'm coming back on to you now. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, uh, Al. And um, let me start by thanking you and Luis and the whole team for setting this up. I think it's uh, it's a very good way to to speak to one another in, in, in the wider perspective. So let's start with that. I like your uh, posters on the wall as well. <laughs> yeah, I've took them away from the UK because they didn't use them there, apparently. No, they were used uh, during the Second World War, but they were printed in case uh, we were invaded. Um, so what message are you getting from European operators? Well, our team has been connecting with uh, our members throughout these unprecedented times. And um, the, the number of flights are down dramatically. Um, I think Eurocontrol threw around figures of 50%, but uh, I saw Wingx is also listening in now. They have more detailed figures on that. Um, but our first priority was helping our members to ensure they receive the right information. Um, on the national level, uh, the operator is generally well aware of um, what, what, what happen what's happening from a rule and regulation side, as well from a local support side. Um, so let's say financial support for staff. And the main ask from a lot of our members was for information of what's happening in the rest of uh, the world and primarily in Europe. So um, the EBA created a specific web page. Um, and I invite everybody to go and have a look. Just It's just on the website and we call it the COVID. 19 resource center. In that, we're trying to um, represent present as much of the available data and links that we can get a hold of and, and that are of use to our members. Um, so that was the first thing we did. Besides that, we're getting a lot of feedback and questions on uh, validity of licenses um, in, in different states, uh, certificates of worthiness, which are becoming a problem because as, as um, briefly said, it's difficult to move aircraft staff etc etc but we'll also get like bizarre things uh, on our way um some countries are closed for fuel stops and these are fuel stops for ambulance flights so they were refused to make um they, they refused permission to make uh, fuel stops so we're trying to collect as many of those um both through our members and um, we're also engaging a lot with the national associations uh, throughout europe um uh, with ibac um, and, and other associations and get as much information and make it hopefully as easily available to, um, to everybody. Uh, because let's face it, if we can't even have um, the flights that are currently flying, which are mainly ambulance and repatriation flights, um, you know, that, that is crucial. Um, even with the limited amount of flights we can do and which are crucial, we want to make sure that they can continue to fly. Do you, um, we've seen uh, the US CARE Act, uh, the bailout, which actually could help part 135 operators. Um, do you think 
business aviation in Europe, I know it's a, a country by country thing. Do you think that could get any handouts? No, I, I, I think you, you're right, already pointed out rightly. The US has a big advantage. It's, it's one country um, and it's, it's one bailout. Um, in Europe, there's, there's two levels we can look at. One is on the local level. Um, and those are more things like on unemployment and uh, support at the local airport, etc. So, um, but that's very specific. We look more on the European level, and it will take more time um, uh, to get that sorted. But that's something the EBA is pushing for. Um, and if there's no bailout, then we push at least for other measures uh, to lower the financial burden. So that is 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 very important. Um, the likelihood and the timetable is not clear um, at this stage, but we've seen the European Commission and the Parliament um, moving at an at a extremely flex, flexible and fast rate, specifically by their standards, which is, is very good. But the one thing we need to remember: once there is EU funding, it will still be managed by the national uh, authorities, um, and th and that's the case for everything and so far we have not seen any specific support for aviation but aviation will be part of the the, the bigger picture of support for other companies okay i've got a tough question from uh, neil Patton. even today the alphabet soup entities of aviation don't seem to have coordinated the airspace and airports even now, there is no single quality up-to-date source of exactly what can can be done. MBAA, EBAA, or ICAO, or IATA, or IASA. We need a straightforward emergency plan from the organizations like they insist all operators have. How can we achieve this? It's a very tough one. Um, for the last 15, 20 years, um, EBA and the other associations have been working really hard on pushing uh, for a single European sky. There's a reason why we want it. It's efficient, it's better for the environment and things like that. But you know, it's not there, it's a very political thing. What you see now today is, is, is that the fragmented system we have in time of crisis and then the national involvement, which is, is also taking place as part of it, is really hurting uh, an efficient way of coordination. So I think it's, it's both a nationalistic tendency, which is explainable uh, up to a certain extent, but that combined with a fragmented system, it's really tough. And um, that is why we try to, to push all our efforts. And um, I think EASA is doing an, 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 a really good job um, We've been really pleased with how they're trying to engage, but also to try to standardize the, the response, to standardize if you fly somewhere, because there's, there's, there's nothing standard at the moment in how countries approach COVID, let alone aviation. Do you, uh, are you missing Brexit? <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, so we had, the, what was it, the B from Brexit, C from COVID. It's uh, going to be a tough year. Um, uh, okay. Um, finally, uh, another question, which um, I think I'm going to give to you because, you know, it's your job. Do you know anything about immunity passports? Um, no. Um, that's a straight answer. I need to get back on that. 
No, and I think it's, I, I, I admire you for being so honest. Um, okay, if anyone else would like to talk about immunity passports, um, please please come up. Um, Robert, what's your personal view? How long do you think this is going to last for? Um, I, I think um, the, the, the difficulty, let's, let's do a step back. I think we went through a, a crisis management phase whereby the industry is now closing down. Um, now we need to prepare to be ready. So when the industry restarts, when that is, that's going to be, I mean, that's the 20 million billion trillion dollar question. It is extremely difficult to predict that I'm not in that business. What we can do, and that's what um, uh, our team is doing, is now reaching out and making sure that when the industry starts again, that our members can get their licenses sorted, making sure that we can properly uh, travel with the crew and, and have the aircraft maintained and, and uh, get the certificates already sorted, etc. So we are now actually together with um, the project team of EASA uh, working on exactly that. Be ready, but when and for what moment? Uh, my prediction is probably as good as yours, Al. And I would, I would, you know, we had a quarterly magazine about two months ago predicting the Roaring Twenties. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust me <laughs> at all. Uh, thanks, Robert. We really appreciate the time. Thank you very well, thank much. Thank you. Um, okay, let's uh, let's. Uh, have, yeah, we've been to Dubai. We've been to um, Hong Kong, uh, Amsterdam. Let's try and uh, get, uh, uh, let's go to America. We're delighted to have Rene uh, Bangelsdorf, founder of uh, Charlie Bravo. Um, how are things in Austin, Texas? You know, Al, it's crazy because it feels like a normal day. It's beautiful outside. The blue bonnets are blooming. The sun rose this morning, but we're all in home offices here pretty much across the country now, Texas, where I am, was on a stay at home uh, nine days ago, but the governor declared that for the rest of the state. So um, it's a new normal and every single business here, whether people are crazy busy because they're providing emergency services or they're wondering what's happening next. And, you know, in the aircraft sales market, uh, David in Hong Kong described the market as paused. What word would you go for? I would I would also say paused. Al, we've we've had a lot of clients say, you know what, we had a big project on whole, uh, you know, on full uh, throttle ahead, and those have been paused. We've had some, a couple, two or three that have canceled. Um, one, um, the the guy had to close twenty four of his hotels. So obviously um, decided not to purchase an aircraft at this time. Um, and we've got a few people who are saying, you know what, I want to see where this lands because maybe I can get a, a plane for a million or a million and a half less with a distressed seller. And we're already starting to see some of those signs, but they're not saying, oh, that's a distressed sale. Let's do it. They're saying, oh, let's wait a month or two and see if it gets more distressed. So lots of pausing, but but not completely dead. We signed a new acquisition agreement last week and, and are moving forward just at a much slower pace than we anticipated for this quarter. Is it still um, possible to close deals at the moment? Can you, can you, you know, can you get a 
pre-purchase inspection? Can you get pilots over? In the U.S., we still can. Um, we have an aircraft that's finishing up some work in Long Island. And even though that's in the epicenter of New York, there's still activity going on there because aircraft service centers and like Brad and I uh, both mentioned earlier in the chat, pilot training is still going on. Those things are considered essential services here in the States, but we're hearing about um, smaller um, staffing situations uh, because of social distancing and, and extra cleaning and whatnot in the service centers. So we're not at a standstill on that yet. It's slow. There are some areas like here in Texas, if someone's coming in from New York or they're coming in from Louisiana, they're being um, put on a 14 day home quarantine, um, kind not quite to the uh, extent that David is over in Hong Kong, but being told to quarantine themselves coming in from the hotspots in the US. And of course, if people are coming from other countries, that's automatic, but even some areas in the States, we're seeing that. So um, it's it's day to day. I'll, you know, what I'm saying today could be completely different tomorrow, but right now, sluggish, but still uh, moving forward in the aircraft market here. The FAA's made a lot of um, quick changes, which is unusual for the FAA with the window um, for closings. First, they were quarantining all paperwork for 72 hours. I heard yesterday that they lifted that, um, but they're actually being forced to move more toward a digital format, which I think is better for all of us. So I'm loving all the innovation that I'm beginning to see people doing things differently and challenging the status quo. And, I, and one of the reasons we were keen to talk to you is you're always so optimistic. So we've got a nice question from Sharon McKenna. Will corporate America take to corporate jets in lieu of commercial airlines for a short term or an extended period? You know, I was going to bring this up on the call today, Al, because I think this is a challenge for every single person on this call. And it's our opportunity to talk about the benefits of private aviation that people are not flying or subjecting their key family members or their key personnel to public transportation. So I think as an industry, we need to come out of this saying, hey, this is one of the benefits of private aviation is that you're not exposed to all of the things that you're exposed to in public transportation. And I think that's one of the things that we need to be talking about as an industry. How do we land on our feet coming out of what is sure to be an unprecedented difficult time in our industry and in the world? Sharon's asking, uh, will smaller jets suffer and long range jets flourish? We certainly saw this in the, you know, the global financial crisis. You know, that's a good question because this is a really different, it's a really different atmosphere this time. I think we're going to see some of the light jets, even maybe some of the twin pistons um, be picked up because they can be bought fairly inexpensively. They can be operated fairly inexpensively. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a shrinking of the globalization so, uh, you know, long range jets are very popular for going to different countries. And I don't 
know that we're going to see a big jump in international travel. Certainly the companies that have that will be traveling privately as much as they can. But but I don't think it's going to hurt the smaller market um, like it did in the financial uh, crunch a decade ago. And, and funny, the, um, you know, at a time when people are dying, it seems harsh to look at stock markets, but we're seeing a lot of your customers track the uh, the US stock markets closely. Do you think this is as big a problem for new deals? I think this week is going to tell. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that we passed a big uh, $2.2 trillion um, bailout. I, I don't think anyone knows what's actually in that and how it's going to shake down. There's a lot of help in there for people um, who make less than $100,000 a year, everyone will get a check. Um, there are a lot of loans available for small businesses, which um, most of us on this call likely work for, um, but we don't have access to any of those funds yet. There's a lot of um, indication that the Small Business Administration will be backing loans, that there will be some payroll protections there um, for, for small businesses, but you know, there's still a ton of confusion about that. The bankers that I've been talking to haven't gotten the information about those loans yet. And of course, they'll all come from the banks in the United States and then be backed by the SBA. Um, so it, there's a lot of uncertainty. Rents due today for a lot of people. Um, it's a payroll day. A lot of people have filed for unemployment here, just as they have in the rest of the world. So we're going to see some shakeout here. Um, in the next two weeks, I don't think we're done with the up and down in the stock market in the U.S. yet, unfortunately. Okay, and finally, can you give us a positive note to end on? Um, gosh, no. I, I've tried to be positive the whole time, Al. But you know what I want to say um, really is thanking you and Louisa for your leadership in this industry because organizing this has done two things that I think are critical. It's allowed an exchange of information and thought leadership, um, of which I'm just honored to, to be asked to participate and have seen so many of my friends comment in the chat. And the other thing that it does is give us connection in a time of isolation. And that's even a more basic human need. So. Um, Thank you so much for doing this, for allowing me to connect virtually with a lot of people in the industry um, today, allowing all of us to do that. Al, I think the important thing that we have to remember is that we're all people um, and we all need grace during this time. And you've extended a big dose of that today. Thanks. Thanks so much. We're largely doing this because my kids were bored of me. But um, thank you. Thanks so much, Rene. Really appreciate it. Of course. It. Thank you. Um, and now we're delighted to, uh, to we're about to get uh, someone who is an expert on the uh, government bailout, someone who in the US, someone who can take us through it. Uh, the, the, the care deal is actually quite exciting in theory, if you're a part 135 operator. So I'm delighted to hand over now to Tim Obitz, president of the National Air Transport Association. Tim, uh, how are you feeling at the moment? Physically, I feel great. Excited that the uh, during the lockdown, the governor of Virginia allowed golf courses to stay open. So that's the only good news about it. 
the bad news is that the lockdown is to June 10th, which is a long time from now. So I have five children. So please pray for my wife. She's homeschooling five kids now. And just think how good they're all going to be at golf at the end of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the only form of exercise is golfing. Um, Tim, your members are a, a broad mix of operators and FBOs and, and, and people across the industry. What are they saying to you at the moment? Yeah, so it depends upon if you're an FBO, a Part 135 operator, or uh, an MRO. Uh, about uh, on the 17th of March, flying stopped. And uh, the only flights that were happening uh, that were on-demand air charter, uh, other than medical missions and cargo, were people trying to get loved ones home places. And uh, the fear of flying commercial uh, w was just rampant. And so there was an uptick there from the 1st through the 17th of March in people using on-demand air charter. Uh, since then, uh, the normal on-demand charter has almost ceased to exist. And the flights that are happening are basically medical emissions or medical transport and cargo to the 3,500 general aviation airports out there and also to the uh, 450 or so uh, part 139 airports uh, sales of fuel uh, have dropped probably between 80 and 90 percent and in many general aviation airports out there the only sales they're having are uh, medical transport and police and that's it uh, so mainly helicopters which don't take a whole lot of fuel so it's it's sort of glim and glum and we've been trying to decipher through the CARE Act to see what we can do in the ass that we had uh, in there to see what we can do to help. And we continue to work toward a COVID-4. So the last, the CARE Act was called COVID-3. And now we're looking at COVID-4 to see how we can fill the gaps. Are you, are you seeing a lot of uh, interest from lawmakers in supporting business aviation? Well, <clears throat> uh, I think uh, after the CARE Act came out, I said I was disappointed uh, in what was provided to us. It seemed like they cared about the 450 Part 139 airports as well as the airlines and could care less about the 1.2 million jobs and $247 billion of output that business aviation provides to America. Uh, and we worked hard. I know NBAA also worked hard. I talked with Ed Bolin and others, and we jointly worked to try to get some things in there. And we were able to get items in there for maintenance, so Part 145, and also for Part 135, trying to treat them the same way as the airlines. The whole issue is, can they? Is that tenable for them to accept the relief? Um. We're getting a lot of questions about the uh, FET exemption bill. Sure. Um, do you want to explain it very briefly to people? Yeah, who yeah. So, wait, so once again, NBAA and NET, we worked very hard on the FET exemption bill. Um, it, it was a partial victory. Uh, there's two parts to it. The ticket tax for part 135 of 7.5% is no longer collected. Uh, and then the second part has to do with the use of kerosene, i.e. Jet A, 
and that only uh, was extended to a part 135. It did not extend on to part 91. Uh, and so we're working with Treasury on the logistic nightmare now of how do we account for that? Do the part 135 operators apply for a rebate through a form? How does this all work? And we're working hard to get guidance uh, from Treasury on the aviation fuel tax exemption. And, and do you think it's going to make a, a big difference to anyone? Honestly? <laughs> um, uh, it was uh, something, it was like they threw us a little bone there. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, 24 cents a gallon. Will that make that big of a difference uh, through uh, December 31st of 2020 to help, you know, NET members? Everything helps, I guess, but it, it wasn't, you know, the, the real relief that we were looking for, but it was something. Um, another question that's come up is someone's uh, raised the point that, you know, are we learning a new way of life? Is video conferencing and new technology going to stop people from traveling? I certainly hope not. Uh, the idea of networking and talking together in large groups of people at events like yours and at the MBAA events, and uh, it is, it's a phenomenal way to do business and to learn from each other and, and talk. And that being able to read an audience as well when you're talking, you can't do this. All I do is I get to see you and that's it. What do you want? Well, not much actually, but thanks. <laughs> um, and when do you think this pandemic will, considered, will be considered to be over? <laughs> If I if I was if I knew that I, I wouldn't be in this line of business. Obviously, I'd be betting on baseball games. Um, the the way I look at it is this: is that uh, the stay at home orders? Uh, it's amazing to see the difference in political uh, party affiliation as to the extremity of stay at home orders, and we're in an, an election year. So it makes it all uh, the more difficult. So for this, the way I'm looking at it is I, I wanna say that uh, mid-June, there's gonna be a burst of business aviation out there. I don't think the airlines are gonna recover for a while, but people are gonna be cooped up with their five kids at home like me and wanna get out of the house. And uh, so I think there's gonna be a burst of it and and we need to be prepared for that. And you know, the way we're getting prepared for that is obviously in advising the members of the uh, uh, payroll relief through the small business loans that Renee talked about. Guidance is supposed to happen on Friday to the banks. So hopefully people are already talking with their local banks about the relief. So that's for companies that have less than 500 employees uh, can do that and that's, uh, can be used toward a, a payroll as long with uh, lease obligations and utility obligations for an eight-week period and as long as they keep 75 percent of their employees around that loan is forgiven so if you look at it this way you can get free payroll through june uh about well, two and a half uh you know so what is that 85 percent of your payroll 
uh, the government can pay for through June if you keep 75% of your employees around. And that's a, that's a good deal. The other uh, provisions in there uh, that everybody's filing for like crazy uh, is uh, there's a $25 billion tranche out there for Part 135 operators to help with payroll. Uh, and uh, there's applications that are due Friday by 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, the application isn't even out for that. And we're at Wednesday. So people are trying to get the information together. And part of it is that they uh, have to give something in return. And the question is, what can a privately held company give in return for it? They can't really give equity. They don't have a security that's traded. So they have to come up with a creative uh, financial instrument, a loan obligation or something to, to make it happen. Uh can you just put forward any piece of paper saying we'll offer a debenture? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> you got to get creative. And it's in the discretion of uh, the Secretary of Treasury as to what they're going to do. So we've been telling uh, members, uh, have a great story about this. And we've got a, a call with membership today at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to talk about this. And uh, I saw in the questions as well, there's questions about uh, Part 135 and uh, medical certificates and currency training. Uh, just to let you know, NETA has some NET exemptions that were issued by the FAA uh, for both international and domestic uh, medical certificates that basically uh, put everything on hold. So if your medical certificate's running out, uh, you can keep flying and keep acting. Likewise, with the currency and training, the same thing has happened. And so if you want to find those exemptions, they're obviously on the FAA website, but we also have them at www.neta.aero on our COVID uh, page that we update daily. That's that's brilliant. Thanks. Um, thanks so much, Tim. Uh, that's great. And uh, we'll, we'll um, let you go on with your call and, and apply for lots of money. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. No, thanks. thanks for having me. Bye -bye. Thank you. So uh, just to remind everyone, this will be recorded. Um, and you can also uh, uh, you can also go back and see the question. Sorry, Tim, I'm about to get rid of you. Um, you need to, I'll just keep you up there because you, you look better than me. Um, and now um, I'm just trying to get, uh, we've talked about money. So let's get a banker on screen. I'm now going to try and invite uh, Mike Francis from First Republic Bank on, um, and Mike's uh, not going to answer questions on small business loans, but is going to take us through um, whether you can still get finance for an aircraft finance transaction that now. Mike, how are you? Nice shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I'd dress up today because I think we're all we're, we're in work from home, and you know, having done this for years uh, in, in a couple different lives. Uh, I've noticed it makes a big difference if you actually dress up for work versus just you know what you wear around the house. So, uh, so not sure if others have experienced the same thing, but thanks for thanks for organizing this. I'm echoing I think everybody else, whether in the in the chat group or those who have uh, been asked to speak. Um, you know, this is a a business of relationships, and it's been really challenging uh, since we all can't travel and see each other to get together and share thoughts and in the like. So, uh, thank you again. No, it's great, and thanks for coming. We now actually have 347 people watching at the moment, which is uh, astonishing. It tells you that nothing is happening in business aviation at the moment. Uh, what are you hearing from your owners? 
Well, you know, it's echoing, you know, it's certainly what we're name mentioned earlier. It's a kind of across the board in some, some ways it, it depends on what uh, industries the people are, are involved in. Um, so we've seen uh, folks, you know, buying airplanes who are going to put them on pause, but, you know, we're having conversations uh, with people who are still in the market to buy a plane. Um, but, you know, we also see, since we're a lender, um, I see it kind of two different ways. Um, there's people who are buying planes, uh, but there's also, it's been a great market because rates have been so low uh, to refinance. And we've seen several or many refinance opportunities as well. Um, but the challenge is kind of twofold. Um, the first one being since the trading market is on hold largely, um, what are airplanes worth right now? Um, I don't know. I know they're they're not going to be worth any more than they were, um, you know, four weeks ago. Um, I think most of us believe there's going to be a little bit of a slowdown. So values may drop um, a little bit or a lot. We're not really sure. Um, but we're kind of putting some caution to the wind, knowing what we don't know at the moment that um, you know, the, you know, if we're doing a future value projection or trying to figure out what a plane's worth right now, it's, it's, it's challenging. And, um, you know, in some, in some instances, you know, when we're talking with, with, uh, with prospects, we're saying, you know, why don't we just keep talking, but let's check in in a month, you know, in a few weeks or a month or so, once we have some more clarity here, because also, you know, we've got to be able to do some due diligence on your business. And if you're telling us, you're not sure, how long this is going to last for, or what the outlook look, look, looks like for your business, it's hard for us to be able to do the credit underwriting we need to do um, in order to understand how you're going to be able to weather the storm in the short, medium, and long term. Um, are, you, are you getting anyone coming to you going, you know, my aircraft's an unencumbered asset, I, I need cash? Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of opportunities. And actually, I've been reaching out to, to folks well, I can see you've bought airplanes recently for cash to see if they want to redeploy that capital because, um, you know, you never, you know, you never know when you're going to need it. Uh, but again, the present challenges, what I mentioned earlier is, you know, what's your, what's your plane worth? Um, you know, if you're looking for a 90% loan to value with a really aggressive amortization, it's probably not the market to be doing that right now. So Mike, every bank tells me they're always open, even, you know, during, 2010, when a lot was shut, would tell me that, yeah, we're, we're still very open. Um, with people homeworking, can you actually get a credit committee to decide on something? Yeah, I haven't been able, I can't speak for the entire industry, um, but I mean, we certainly, <laughs> we certainly have been able to, and I've seen a lot of my peers still out in, in the industry. With that said, um, you know, if you are advising a customer on buying an airplane and or uh, financing, if you if you have a term sheet that was issued um, in the past week or two, or even if you have a commitment, it would behoove you to keep checking in with your lender because the, the situation is fluid. Um, you know, we're having regular conversations with our, our loan committee on what our portfolio looks like and any current commitments that, that we have. Um, you know, and, and you need to do that to be prudent because the situation changes uh, pretty quickly. You know, I've heard of, a, uh, and I don't know who they are, but I've heard of some folks experiencing some difficulties with lenders who at the last minute either changed the terms or pulled out for, for whatever reason. Um, 
And again, it's just the situation so fluid. It's worth just keeping you know in close conversation with whoever your uh, whoever your lenders are. And um, a question uh, from Sharon again, McKenna: uh, Will twenty twenty be a year of restructuring existing deals or swapping out older planes early for heavily discounted new aircraft? Probably yes. Um, you know, if you're if you're a borrower, let's just, I mean, hypothetically, if you're, you know, a family in the hotel business and you own an airplane, um, you're probably going to have a pretty hard time satisfying your debt payments. Um, and I don't want that airplane back. I don't want you to default on the loan. So yeah, there's going to be a lot, there's, there are conversations across the entire banking industry about ways to work with customers, um, you know, to, to release, to reduce the burden prudently to help folks, uh, you know, weather the storm. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, thanks so much to Mike. Would anyone like to step up? And um, Sorry, Mike, I'll let you go. Uh, would anyone like to, if you put a comment in the chat room, would anyone like to step up and say anything or make any comments? We're trying to make this as interactive as possible. Um, our plan is not to do one of these every week, but run them in sort of series of three or four. Um, and next week, we're going to look at aircraft values and um, transactions. What can we learn from the last downturn? Um, and what else can we see? So if anyone would like to come up now, if not, um, you might just pick people at random if we can. Um, Mike Walsh has just put something up from Hong Kong. Uh, Mike's never shy. Let's see if uh, Mike would like to come online now and give his views from Hong Kong. And then it's a nice symmetry. We'll have gone all the way around the world. Um, Mike, can you hear me? Are you dressed? Um, okay. I think the fact that he's not... Um, jumping on board is a sign that maybe he is not dressed at the moment. Um, Colin Brickman from Camo 4 Jets uh, has been telling us all that everything is great and that he's closing deals. So uh, Colin, I'm going to try and invite you on screen now to give your cheery view of the market. And while we're doing that, uh, there's a new poll up there, which was a question from the audience. When do you think the pandemic could be considered to be over? When do you think uh, business will uh, start to um, improve? And uh, Colin has connected and is accepting, so hopefully we will have him in a second. Um, and I also think uh, it'd be nice to have a, a lawyer. So uh, Ephra Sullivan, if you would like to come on, uh, I've just in, uh, in your also in your role as the uh, British Business and General Aviation Association. Um, you have also been invited. Um, and John Farish is arguing. Ah, now who do we have? Colin Brickman on screen. Colin Hello, from uh, Camo Four Jets. Colin. You're saying it's still possible to inspect aircraft and perform PPIs. Absolutely, Al. Good afternoon, everybody. Really excellent discussion. Thanks very much. Super idea, this. I like it. 
Um, it is possible. And then afterwards we'll have Ethan. Colin, can you, are you talking? I've lost you. Possible to uh, inspect airplanes. The main thing is... Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me now, Alistair? Okay, I'll be really brief. I can see Ethan's coming. Um, it's having people in the right place at the right time. Luckily, we have a global network, so we can manage to uh, do inspections. It's very, very difficult indeed. Generally, the airplanes are prepared for us. The mechanics and the guys will walk away. We can go in, do what we need to do, uh, and uh, we walk away and the mechanics go back to the airplane. So it's a little bit of a dance. It's a little bit structured. It's very, very organized, but uh, having the people in country is the key at the moment to, to all, uh, all deals. Repossessions, unfortunately, and uh, very nervous investors are growing uh, with their interest in, in technical condition every day. I'm and and are you already being? Are you already looking at repossessions? Basically, uh, all, all over the world, different airplanes, different different places, different situations. But yeah, unfortunately, there are some that. Uh, where the deals didn't work out or, or, or the payments didn't work out and, and the financiers are, are asking for support. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate situation, but such is life, Alistair. And um, we, we turn the page and move on. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Colin, and thanks for coming up. Uh, no problem. Your views. Great to see you. No. Okay, and hopefully now Aoife O'Sullivan from the uh, founder of the Air Group should be up any second now. Uh, Aoife needs no introduction, but she's going to get a long one uh, because I haven't got her showing yet. Um, Aoife is also uh, heavily involved in the British um, Business and General Aviation Association, which after Brexit is arch rivals uh, with the EBAA. Um, and I've lost Aoife. Um, I'm trying again, sorry. It was all going so well. Um, and Aoife's accepting now. Uh, Aoife's having connection issues. So next week, we are going to look at um, aircraft valuations. But let's uh, quickly see if uh, Richard Berkemeyer, very well known to everyone um, for the American Society of Appraisals of America, uh, the ASA, um, and see if he's available. Dog Gollan, thanks very much for your comments about our wallpaper. Every room in our house is like this. Um, I'm trying to get Richard on now, but I think we're having uh, connection issues um, with lots of people. Uh, both Aoife and Richard seem to be having connection. Just to remind you, this is available afterwards. The polls, uh, since we've been listening, three more people have voted to be very optimistic. 92% uh, are fairly pessimistic, um, and um, most people think the pandemic will be over within six months. Um, it's great to have the uh, 17 people who have voted for 12 months plus. Um, if that's true, I think we're all going to be very sick of um, uh, Skype meetings. Um, okay, I'm going to try one last time. Uh, and I'm not getting, uh, I don't seem to be getting Richard and uh, Eve able to connect. So we'll come to them next week. 
Um, finally, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us. It's a crazy time for everyone in the industry. It's amazing that uh, more than 350 people have joined today. If there's anything we can do for any of you, please let us know. Um, oh, I have someone. Richard Berkemeyer uh, from the American Society of Appraisal of America. Al, I apologize for not shaving today. Um, the, I'm happy to see that Virginia thinks that golf is an essential uh, business model and the like. Um, as appraisers, I think we're all getting a fair uh, ch chatted with uh, uh, many of the appraisers out there, and we're certainly getting a lot of calls about what we think uh, is happening uh, numbers-wise and where things are going. I suspect there'll be a slurry of work maybe in about uh, 90 days out, either on the inspection side. A lot of the feeder businesses, such as the engine manufacturers, uh, are having a fair amount of difficulty also. Some of the rebuilt shops um, I spent last week in Miami uh, looking at a bunch of engines and the like, then came back into Rhode Island, met up with the National Guard, uh, who quarantined me for the next uh, 14 days. Um, so anyways, the, uh, I think maybe the next time uh, you might have a group of appraisers and we can uh, have a chat about what we're up to and the like. Uh, but yeah, we, we're getting a lot of phone calls, not so much in the way of actual appraisals, but kind of picking our brains. Can you hear me? Sorry, yes. I lost that. Yes. Can you, um, can you give us an update on values? Is it too early to say aircraft values have fallen? No, I uh, I certainly think they've fallen. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback out. But uh, uh, I think over the next 90 days, you'll see a continuous uh, drop, a lot of stuff sitting about. Thanks so much, Richard. We're going to go to Aoife now. Oh, I think I've lost her again. Aoife, I've lost you again. Okay, we're getting Aoife O'Sullivan will be on the next one as we've just gone one hour. Thank you so much to everyone for giving up the time to watch this. If there's anything we can do to help anyone, uh, please let us know. Apologies for uh, muting at the end. Um, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to hopefully uh, seeing you all face to face. And if not, uh, next month, uh, sorry, next week at the same time, we'll be doing aircraft values and aircraft sales. Thanks very much, stay safe. And uh, as Churchill said, keep buggering on. Thank you. <laughs>